yeah. your, your thing going on. So it's good that they're also out connecting with other kids this morning. Okay, so what I want to do is I love that picture up there because actually this morning I want to share with you about the word and the importance of the word and the word being central to our lives. And uh, kind of like as I was praying for this week and knowing who the souls are, I knew, well, I'm suspecting that as a congregation, you're going to be a congregation that's going to be strong in the Spirit. The things of the Spirit are going to overflow from them into you. But one of the things that I think I do carry, or I've been told I carry, is a passion for the Word. Yes. And I love teaching the Word. So I wanted to deposit some of that into you this morning. Because sometimes we separate and we like we separate like the Spirit people are there and the Word people are there. Yeah. And actually, like in God's kingdom and who, who He is and in the life of the church, when the two are together, when the, the Word of God and the Spirit of God are together, there's something which is powerful, something gets catalyzed, there's something dynamic that happens. And trust in it, as I share this morning, and deposit a little bit of who I am also into you, and who God is into you, that something will catalyze, something will come alive in you, even for a love for the Word of God, and for the Word of God being central in your lives and in your world. Is that cool? Absolutely. So that's what we're going to do this morning. As I do that, Kev, you were praying earlier in a prayer meeting, and you said something about Afghanistan. I won't retell what you were praying, which is pretty hectic stuff we're praying into. But uh, I read something in the last couple of days. Obviously, you've become aware of what's happened in Afghanistan and the mm. Taliban over the last mm. year, the last week or so. It's unbelievable. It's obviously a very hectic situation. But I've heard that in the last couple of days, one of the things they've been doing, they've been going around looking at people's phones. Yeah. Did you see that and hear that? And looking for Bible apps. And if you've got a Bible app on your phone, then you'll get separated and they're going to deal with you separately. Sure. I don't know what that means. I don't know if that means you're going to lose your life or something's going to happen to you or you're going to get tortured or beaten, etc., etc. But they're looking for evidence of the Word of God. And I was just, as I heard that, it's just a reminder of how we live in a land, we live in a culture and a society where we can so easily and readily get our hands on the Word. That's right. We don't get persecuted. Yeah. Yeah. It's open. It's free. It's the price has been paid. And it's ours to have. Yeah. And so let's love what God has given us. Yeah. Um, and I trust in that love will overflow. So really started. <laughs> so yeah, so I'm going to take us on a bit of a journey through Scripture today, starting the Old Testament through the more land and the New Testament, and looking at different moments uh, in, the, no, in the course of the history as we see in the Bible where the Word of God is lifted up and is important and significant and wonderful different things are from those. So, we're going to start in Joshua 1. What's the name of our church? Joshua. What is one of the most well-known scriptures that we go to in the life of our church? Joshua 1. And um, so let's start there. The nation of Israel being under the leadership of Moses up to a point. Moses was unable to take them into the promised land because of his sin. But God had prepared a way and he struck the rock and then he couldn't enter the promised land. And so God raised up a man called Joshua to take the nation into their inheritance. Alright? And in Joshua 1, 7 to 9, it says this. Only, so now this is God speaking to Joshua, also speaking to the nation. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn to the right or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. And how 
the, the prospering and the success without the word, eh? And it goes on, go on to the next one. And it says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong again. That comes again. Repetition, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So this is a picture of the nation of Israel that is about to go in and enter the promised land, right? And so God twice says there to them, be strong, be courageous. Like kind of stuck in the, um, this word was used with us last Sunday, one of the Josh and Elders came to preach to us, Clarence from Worcester, he said, good, good your Lord. It's a picture of like preparing yourselves, get ready as you go into the promised land. Sure. And there's this command that comes up to us to be strong, to be courageous. But kind of sandwiched in the middle of it is the importance of us being a people who are people of the word. We think on it, pray on it, meditate on it. We sit with it and let it change our lives. And we talk a lot about love sandwiches and Josh Jane. If you haven't heard about a love sandwich, yet you will at some But yeah, I think this is God giving the nation a bit of a love sandwich. You know, a piece of bread on the one side, be courageous. A piece of bread on the other side, be courageous. In the middle. In the middle. Meat. Meditate. It's the meat. That is the meat. The Word of God is the meat. So we need to be a people of the Word. And so here, picture is a picture of a nation at a time of advance. And I know if I just think back to um, our journey of leading and the life of the church, or times when you're feeling like you're advancing with God, those are the times where actually it's easy to forget the Word. Sure. God's with you. He's yeah. doing stuff. It's evident. He's amongst you. And you can kind of grow, um, grow lazy mm. and not be as attentive to the Word of God as you should be. And so this, I think, is a picture to us in the midst of a people advancing. When the time comes to Lord today, and you are planting now, and there'll be times where you will keep on advancing. In those times, keep the Word of God central. If you don't have a love for the Word of God yet, ask Him for a love. Yeah. Um, I love it. I had a friend years ago at school with me. Anthony Martin is actually a brilliant drummer. Amazing drummer, amazing musician. And he's an editor. He does a lot of adverts that you watch on TV now. He edits those adverts. Um, part of another church. But I remember Anthony got saved when I was in matric. I wasn't saved back in those days. But he got saved in matric. Kind of matric then right at the end of matric. And one of the things that was that I've heard him say many times is he says, I'm not a book person. I don't read. He's very visual, very creative. That was how his brain functioned. That's what he's like as a person. But he got saved at the end of a trick and straight away, I saw the word of God, the word of God appeared out of nowhere. Sure. And God gave him a love for the word. And so even if you are a person who's a little bit more creative or maybe you're a bit ADHD, like everyone is a little bit today, your attention span is not so not so strong. Ask God just for a love for His Word. And it's so amazing good. how by the Spirit of God He'll give it to us. That's good. That's good. Okay. And so you see in Joshua 1, this command comes as they're advancing into the promised land. They're to be a people who meditate on His Word. Then goes on to go to Joshua 4. And now I'm literally entering into the promised land. So it's not just you're going to take the land. They are now entering land. And they're crossing the river Jordan. Joshua said them in verse 5. Pass on. I just want to make sure you've got the right scripture here. I gave you verse 6. I'll go from there. Um, I'm going to read from verse 5 and then listen in from verse 6. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan. So they're going into the river Jordan. It's the same nation of Israel led by Joshua. 
and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel. And then in verse 6, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you, should, then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. And it goes on a few verses later in verse 21 in, uh, in Joshua 4. And it says, And he said again, He said to the people of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. Mm-hmm. So let's just pause there for a moment and I'll finish that scripture. So the God had said, be strong, be courageous, keep the word of God at the center of who you are. Then they get to the River Jordan, they step into the River Jordan, it was the priests who step into the water first with the, with the ark, the presence of God, the word of God. They step into the River Jordan, the River Jordan stops, it piles up like I don't know, I can't imagine what it looked like, but it stopped because it was in full flood, it stopped, and they walked across a dry riverbed across to the other side. And then God asks them, as they're walking across the river, to pick up the 12 stones, 12 stones for each tribe of the nation of Israel, as they're about to take the land, the promised land, and build a memorial. And this is also what the Word of God is. It's a gift to us. It gives us a memory. The Word of God tells us the story of what God has done, and it gives us the promise of what He is going to do. That's good. And how often, someone was saying earlier how we just forget stuff, and I don't mean you, Sean, saying like, I can't even, to be honest, I can't even remember what I did yesterday, <laughs> let alone what I did last weekend. And yeah. I often say this when I preach. Yeah. If I preach, and it's been a few weeks, I go, hey guys, what did I preach on a month ago? No,
that's where it starts to head into some very dark and difficult times. And the nation Israel ends up being divided and separated between north and south. And then they start getting conquered by all these kingdoms, the Babylonians and the Persians, etc., etc. And they end up being scattered and going into exile. Okay. And so we then read, after all of that has happened, we read in Nehemiah 8, the nation of Israel has now been called out of exile. God's called them from these foreign nations. And he said, the time is now for you to come back to Jerusalem. And one of the things that had happened when they had been exiled was the temple had been destroyed and the walls around Jerusalem had also been destroyed by these invading empires and these armies. And so God calls them to rebuild the walls and to rebuild the temple in Ezra and Nehemiah and the Old Testament. And so they were in the midst of that. They were in the midst of the rebuilding of the wall of Jerusalem at that time. And so we read in Nehemiah 8, in the midst of that, um, that building, that they begin to read from the Word of God. It says they read from the book, from the law of God, clearly. And they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. And then in verse 18, it says, Day by day, from the first day to the last day, the word of God was read. They kept the feast for seven days, and on the eighth day there was a solemn assembly according to the rule. So the picture here is of a people who had been scattered, been gathered back together. You know, as the, as the people of God, there are times for advance, like Joshua was advancing and taking land, but there are also times of recovery. That's right. You've been scattered. If things happen in our lives, we, we've been scattered, gone away from God, or even a church or a, um, a movement can go through challenging times, and God will need to call us back to Himself. himself. And in the midst of that season of recovery, and the nation of Israel is being recovered here, they're coming back together, the Word of God is absolutely central. They didn't just come back and do stuff for God, rebuild the wall and rebuild the temple. But they came back and they needed to have the Word of God read over them again. Sure. And read to them. So they gathered for seven days and they had this, the Word of God read to them for seven days. So they could be reminded of the truth of God's faithfulness yet again. Mm-hmm. And so in the times of advance, we need the Word of God. In times of recovery, we need the Word of God. Sure. It's central to it's who good we are as people. Okay. Very good. Then we're going to move from the Old Testament into the New Testament. Um, you're probably picking up now a bit more of a teacher than a preacher. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Keep going. It's awesome. Um, we're going to move now into the New Testament. And so the story through Scripture, and I'm intentionally trying to like retell the story of Scripture as I'm going as well, is that you know, the nation of Israel comes back together. They get called out of exile. And as they come out of exile, they, they have this hope. That finally the days of David are going to be recovered. The best days that they had seen under David are going to be recovered again. And so this hope of a saviour, of a Messiah who's going to be like David, is going to come. So they had a, they had a hope that this picture of one who is coming as a Messiah, who we now know to be Jesus. And so we know that Jesus comes, he's born miraculously, lives his perfect life, dies a death, but doesn't just die, he rises from the ground, right? He's raised up, and then we know that he ascends to the right hand of God, where he sits now and he prays for us. But after his death on the cross, his disciples, those that had been following him for those three years, especially from the age of 30 to 33, 
Can you imagine? They thought this, this was the one who's going to come and save them and make their life like it was at its best time under David, where they ruled the nations, they had the power, they were the ones who had it all, they were living good times. But they see that the Savior who they thought was promising this ends up dying on a cross. And so they're really suffering with like a complete sense of disillusionment. The one they thought they would, was now going to save them has died and has abandoned them. Disillusionment, disappointment, confusion, they've been scattered. And so we read this account in Luke 24 now of some disciples who were towing on the road to Emmaus, they left Jerusalem, they were going to Emmaus, they were walking on this road, and they were, they were totally, totally discouraged because the one that they had been following they thought had let them down and disappointed them. And without knowing it, Jesus appears to them, and then he comes alongside them and he begins to speak to them. He begins to reveal the word of God to them, and it's finally when he sits down and has a meal with them that their eyes are open and they see, oh, this is Jesus. Mm. But while he's with them, he says this, and he says to these disciples who are not discouraged and disappointed, so a foolish one, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And then Jesus himself, the Son of God. Imagine this. <laughs> best Bible study ever. <laughs> sits down, best bride ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sits down with a fire going, a bit of food cooking, opens the word of God, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interprets to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Wow. Sure. What a picture, eh? What a gift that the Son of God, and that's how much He loves us. And that's how important the Word of God is to us. Is that He would even go and find some of His disciples and sit down and open the Word to them. Obviously at that time they only had the Old Testament. The Old Testament began to take Him truth, pointed to Him. And can you imagine, Bernard, you see that prophecy there? I fulfilled it. See that prophecy there? I fulfilled it. What sure. an incredible Bible study. The Son of God sitting there with them, breaking open the Word of God. And then it goes on and says, I'm the other scripture, it says, Did not our hearts burn within us while He talked to us on the road, while He opened to us the scriptures? Amazing. Oh, thank you, Lord, for the gift of your Word. Eh? Yeah. And this is what happens when, when it's not just like the dead word of God, but when the life of God, the Spirit of God comes upon us, mm. and Jesus is with you in your reading of it, yeah. in your enjoying of it, your heart begins to burn. It's not just here, yeah, it's not your mind that just burns, it's not just information, but your heart, your heart opens yeah. up, yeah. and a love of God begins to be cultivated mm. and grown. Amen. Amen. Okay, so this is, this is like our third point, but one more. So we see in a time in advance, we need the Word of God. In a time of recovery, we need the Word of God. Now in a time of confusion and disappointment, more than ever, that is when the people of God know the Word of God. Yeah. Disappointment creeps into our hearts, eh? and offense at God can creep into our hearts so often. I can remember Lee and I walked a long journey with a, a couple in the Weinberg congregation. Oh, we loved them dearly for years, eh? But their marriage had troubles from the beginning. Before they came to us, their marriage had troubles. And so we walked with them for years, man. Um, I don't know, maybe the souls even prayed with them at some one stage coming through one of their congregations. Because they were often in need of input and there's just a lot of brokenness. But 
But they ended up getting divorced and anyway, gone their, gone their separate ways, and it's not the, the most amazing story. But you know what? We discovered, especially with the wife, that right from the beginning, coming into her marriage, and I'm not blaming her anyway at all, but right from the early days, kind of, because they got married when they were young, they were married when they were 19, eh? but that, that age, just out of school, she picked up an offense with God. Mm. She was just offended with her husband. That was another whole story. But she had an offense with God. Just never able to overcome that. And so often we can carry an offense with God which keeps us separate from Him. And God wants us to overcome, overcome that. How do we overcome that? In our own strength? No, He wants us to overcome that by bringing, allowing us to come to Him, be drawn to Him by the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God wants to open the Word of God and begin to minister the truth of who He is to us so we can learn to love Him again. Okay. Bit of a tangent. But yeah, disappointment with God's a major thing. We have to ask God and trust God for breakthrough. I'm going to push it from Luke 24 now into the New Testament. So this is so Jesus, so uh, you know, Jesus uh, reveals himself to his disciples. We know then that the church is uh, after he, he has ascends, Jesus ascends to the right hand of the Father, starts praying for us. The Spirit of God is sent. We're not left as orphans. No, on the face of the earth, but God says, wait for me in Jerusalem, I'm going to send my spirit. The spirit of God is going to adopt you, you and I are going to become my sons and daughters, right? Anyone gives their lives to Jesus, your response to the gospel becomes a son and daughter of God. We are filled with the spirit of God. Amen? Amen. Okay, so that's the truth of what God has done in our hearts. And so then we begin to see the story of the church unfold. You know, in Acts 2, probably the most well-known scripture within Josh Jane, and they devoted themselves to the apostles', apostles teaching. teaching. They devoted themselves to the Word of God. So the early church was devoted to the Word of God that was taught by the apostles, gave their lives to it. But the time unfolds, churches are planted in different places. And at a later stage, in 2 Timothy, and this is one of the last letters, if not the last letter, that Paul, the great apostle, wrote to the churches, or wrote to his son Timothy, but really was something, the truth that was going to be circulated amongst the churches. He wrote this. He said, but understand, Timothy, that in the last days, there are going to come times of difficulty. Mm. All right. We are living in difficult times. Mm. Who would have thought a year and a half ago that we'd be sitting in church with masks? Mm. I said, moments I'm still grieved by that. <laughs> we all are. This morning, hey, we, we all are. It's just... Like it's, I'm just telling you, I'm going to right in the evening after this. So I'm just offering But understand that in the last day, it's a time for another difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, yep. lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, yeah. ungrateful, unholy, heartless. Jeez, we are a heartless generation, mm. man. Heartless, man. We just, the things we say to each other, or the world says to each other, we cut each other down. We don't listen. We just talk and cut. It's terrible. Heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal as well. Yeah. It's too brutal. Yep. Not loving good. Yep. Treacherous, reckless, swelling with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. It's easily tempted to be a lover of pleasure here, right? Yo, I'd be seriously <laughs> tempted to run the church. I don't even serve. I might take up a paddle. Yeah, <laughs> God's favorite view. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, loves of pleasure rather than loves of God. So, this is Paul painting a picture. 
picture to Timothy saying, this is the reality of the world that you're going to be living in. And that's God painting the picture of the world that we currently live in. People have the appearance of godliness, but they're going to deny its power. They'll talk about being followers of God, but won't actually truly follow him. And then it goes on and mentions a whole lot of other stuff. But I want to go through towards the, the end, maybe around my verse 14 or 15. Um, here, I'll go from verse um, 14. It says, but as for you, so, so Paul lists the, like the, the context of what's going on in the world at that time. And he speaks to Timothy and to the believers. And he says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. Just want to pause there for a moment. Greenpoint, where we currently serve. So Lee and I, we are what's called like southern suburbs people, right? <laughs> and the southern suburbs of Cape Town, like we lived there, we grew up there, we kind of been there most of our lives in the Weinberg, Plumstead, Constantia area forever. And the people who live there are very comfortable, alright? It's very insular. We mainly speak English. I remember when we joined Josh Jen 10 years ago, I was like, whoa, there are a lot of Afrikaans people. Yeah. <laughs> and really, we call that so English. You can probably still hear it in the way I talk. Um, but my mom is half Afrikaans. It's a story for another day. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we, we, we were in, in that kind of context for many, many years. And then God moved us two years ago, two and a half years ago, to the Greenpoint congregation. We quickly realized, we're like, whoa. If we're going to be part of this congregation, there's no way we can live in the southern suburbs. So we're living in a duplex, we put that up for rent, and we move into an apartment. We live in a flat in Sea Point. It's not always the easiest, but it does have a beautiful view. Well, welcome anytime. Whenever that's out of the world and you want to go for a walk along the promenade, please, we'd love to join you. It's really a day like today, it's beautiful. So we're living in a flat there. We wanted to live there because we wanted to be part of the community. And the reason I mention this because Seapoint especially is full of Jews. Yeah. And so it's the first time I've ever, I've ever seen it. We have um, a deli across the road for us, and we look down, um, which sells and like an amazing bakery as well, which is Jewish owned. And it's the strangest thing to see it like right at the end of the week on a Friday evening when Seapoint is starting to hum and buzz, shuts down, closes for the Sabbath. Right until Saturday evening, and it only opens again Saturday evening. So it's Sunday morning or open, I'm not quite sure. Sunday morning. Closed the whole of Saturday. It's the most bizarre thing to see it closed. And then you see all the uh, really religious and traditional Jews who walk to the synagogues. And we've got one, we've got two, which are within like half a K from us, and another one, one kilometer up the road, walking in the streets off to synagogue. And what I've learned, we've got a couple of um, Messianic Jews in our congregation, we often have Jews visiting us. What I've learned is that from a young age, these more traditional Jews are exposed to the Word of God and they are taught the Word of God from time. And often by the age of like 10, 11, 12, a lot of them are able to recite large portions yeah. of the Old Testament. They know it's in their brains. Sure. Incredible, eh? So Paul, being the, the Jew, is picking up on this and he's speaking to Timothy. He's saying, from childhood, how you've been acquainted with the sacred writings which were able to make you wise for salvation. Okay. And so the Word of God, if we make it central to our lives, makes us wise for salvation. Doesn't just bring us to Jesus. The Gospel brings us the good news. 
of Jesus brings us to Him. But once we've come to know Him, there's a whole world in here. There's a whole life, something to be lived that He invites us into through the Word of God. And so He's saying that to Timothy, makes you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And then He says, all Scripture is breathed out by God. And it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, a man or woman of God. Okay? <laughs> Just ladies. Very important. Obviously, as a context this was written out of, but it's speaking to all of humankind, that the man or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Mm. So again, I love, I love saying this, reminding myself of this every time I open the Word of God. Because when I open the Word, just imagine there's a breeze blowing off it. It's just a little wind blowing off the pages. And that wind is the breath of God. Sure. It's not full of our coffee breath. Yeah. <laughs> it's the pure, loving, holy breath of God that breathes off the pages and into us. Somehow it helps me, just, it just helps me, especially in those days when you open it and it feels dry. Mm. Let's be honest, sometimes it does. You're like hitting your head against the word. Like, where's the light? Just to pause for that moment, Lord, just speak to me and imagine the breeze blowing off it into you. Brings it alive, dreams us, makes you realize this is the very word of God and what a gift it is mm-hmm. to us. And then it says here, not only is the breath of God in it, but it's helpful for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. All those things that's, that happen in the life and the body um, of the church. Um, yeah, another story, you know, I'll mention it. Is we, we recently had a, a single lady, so this is a single lady type story, but one that went a bit skewed. Single lady joined our congregation um, coming out of lockdown last year, and um, yeah, she was, she was with us for a while. And I think she met a guy online, I'm just going to be honest, I think she met a guy on an online dating app. She'd come out of a relationship before, been in a long relationship, that had ended, she was, anyway, ended up with us, and then Things started getting onto online apps, was keen for a relationship with someone. Think the guy, we think the guy that she met is a Christian. We don't know because she never actually introduced him to us. As soon as she, she met this guy, she kind of disappeared off the scene. But one of the things that was so hard, so hard for like an elder or someone who's leading in the life of the church to grapple with is to go like, why are you with this guy? Tell us more. How did it happen? And one of the responses getting is, I love him. I love him. That's why I'm with him. And that's another whole story for another day. But just to remind you of how like, the Word of God even defines what love is. Mm-hmm. Defines what love looks like. The world says that love is God. You know, they worship love. Mm. And I think in some ways, to be honest, this girl is worshipping love. That's what she was after. She was worshipping that. When the Bible says that God is love. Find God and we'll find true love. And He'll look after us. He'll be with us. We'll never be alone. Okay, and so the Word of God trains us, it teaches us, it corrects us, even sometimes rebukes us, it keeps us in line so that we can be mature or complete, not lacking anything. Still with me? Okay, I'm nearly there. So, just doing a brief recap, being through the Old Testament and the New Testament, can you help me? The first one was, where did we start? We started in Joshua. Okay. And Joshua was a picture of advance. Mm. Okay, people advancing. Even when times are good, we're advancing. We need to keep the Word of God <laughs> central to who we are. Okay. Secondly, in the Old Testament we looked at? Nehemiah. Nehemiah. Yes. 
Nehemiah was a picture of a time of recovery. They were a nation in recovery at that time. Okay. And in times of recovery, God wants the word of God to be central to us. Alright. Then we move from the Old Testament into the New Testament, Luke 24. And we looked at a time of confusion. The disciples didn't know what was going on. They say that they thought it come to save them. And he died, he abandoned them. Where was he? He hadn't realized, these disciples hadn't realized that he'd been resurrected at that stage. And so they'd gone back to their old time. But God went and found them. And even in a time of confusion, he went in his love and he brought the word of God to them. And he revealed himself through the word of God. And then lastly, 2 Timothy is a picture of a time of deception. Alright, we are living in days of great deception. And much of the word, much of the church itself has even drifted off the word of God. And so that's why we believe as Josh Jen, we want to be a people, blueprint people, people who stick to what this thing says. Yes. But it's so easy for us to be a people, even in Josh Jen, where we say into the church, and we assimilate into the culture of the church, where we hear things, and we know that they should be true because other people are believing them to be true, but we don't actually know that they're true for us personally. Okay? And so I want to tell you that this is the blueprint of the Word of God, and He wants you to get to know it. It's God's letter of love written to us, but it's written to you. Each one of you revealing who He truly is. That's right. Okay, so time of advance, a time of recovery, a time of confusion, and a time of deception. The Word of God is always central to who we are as a people. And so as I land this, I want to leave you with a few other points. You know what the Word of God does ultimately in the end is that the Word of God opens us up. It says in Hebrews 4 verse 12 that the Word of God is living and it's active. This thing's not dead, it's full of the life of God. And it's sharper than a two-edged sword. Piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. You know that it's been said by many, that as you read the Word of God, what does it do? It reads you. Sure. Psalm 139, I mentioned it this morning. Okay? Lord, that you would search us, know us, see if there's any deceiving way in me, lead me in the way of everlasting. Read that yesterday, just in the few minutes I had reading the word. And yes, you know, as you read that, it's, it's, it's reading you. Mm. Is there any way in me? Anything that's in me and it's not pleasing, Lord. And so the word of God breaks us open, it opens us up, not to humiliate us, but to humble us. Mm. So that we can come before the living God and ask Him for help. That's good, Ross. Okay. So the Word of God opens us up. Not only does it open it up, but it washes us. I played soccer with my son yesterday. We played five-star soccer. At our venue, we've got some soccer courts there uh, at Greenpoint. We meet at the Hellenic Club in, in like Muddy Point area. And to be honest, as I'm standing here this morning, my hamstring is so sore. <laughs> yes, and my hip it is killing me uh, because I'm not as agile as I used to be. Um, now. And um, <laughs> yo, when I got home after playing soccer yesterday, she said I needed a good shower, right? As did my son. We, we played a proper game. But the word of God washes us. Not only does it open it up, open us up, it washes us. And it says in Ephesians 5 uh, 26, 
Um, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. It's the picture actually of marriage and the word of God being central to marriage, but it's also a picture of the church, the word of God being central to the picture of the bride and the bridegroom. And the word of God washes us, washes the bride. It's a gift to us. And Sean, I could sense that like, even if what was happening with you over the last week or so, God's washing you, coming to you. It's a beautiful thing. It doesn't come to condemn. It comes to wash us clean. So the word opens us up. It washes us clean. As you read already in 2 Timothy 3, the word wisens us up. Man, there are so many people out there who think they're wise. But actually the word says the world is not wise. The world is foolish. That the world is living in foolishness. Wisdom is to know God. Wisdom is to know salvation in Jesus Christ. And so humbly we say, as the people of God, that actually we in the world are the wise ones. The world is living in the the foolishness of the world. We are the wise ones because we know God. And wisdom comes from knowing the fear of God. Mm -hmm. And so the word opens us up, it washes us, it wisens us up. And finally, I think I want to add today is that the word frees us up. It says in John 8, 31 to 32, that if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Amen. Amen. Say that again. And you will know the truth. So, those who are truly his disciples, will abide in His Word. So if you're a disciple today, you're going to be a person who's called to abide in the Word. And you will know the truth, okay? So knowledge will come. Your eyes will be opened up to who God is and who Jesus is. You will know the truth. And then as you come to Jesus, the truth will set you free. Amen. And so we as believers have the privilege of living in freedom. The freedom and liberty of knowing God. No longer living under the judgment of sin, and the condemnation of sin, and the weight of sin. That's been washed away by the blood of Jesus, the death of Jesus on the cross. And a new way has been opened up for us to come to Him and to, ex- to experience the joy of living in relationship with Him. And that is true freedom. Amen. It's the freedom again that the world wishes they had that they don't have. And it's only found Amen. Amen. Okay, so this morning I wanted to encourage you in the Word. Gordon's Bay, as you move forward in, in, in your journey, the Word of God needs to be central. And as I'm saying that, I'm often reminded of something that Russell used to say. And uh, I'm still not even sure like what your leader, leadership position is, Sean, in the life of the church. But I know that you're leading this congregation. Now I'm going to worship here, are you? No. Okay, well, I knew there was something unfolding. Anyway, but you know, one of the things that Russell used to say to us as elders, and I'll say this in front of the church, is elders spend a lot of time with people. Obviously, that's what we're called to do, shepherd people. Especially, we spend a lot of time with people when they go through difficult times. Because again, that's the nature of what a shepherd's called to do, is love the sheep. But so often, especially in the early days, when I was leading Constantia Berg and McCann Weinberg, I this unbelievable need, this pressing need to always be there for people and to somehow be the solution for their problem, mm. to try and fix their problem for them. Mm. And that was a weight and a burden that I carried in an ungodly way and it nearly broke me. And so the words of Russell, one of the amazing elders in the life of Josh Jen, to us as elders, has always been to say is, 
Before you see people to give counsel, always say to them, before you come speak to me, spend time in the Word. Fine, I get a sense of what is needing to be spoken about and prayed about, okay? But encourage the saints, the disciples, as we all are, to go spend time in the Word and then come to me. And so God has made, be a people of the Word. Even before you come to your elders or your leaders and need to process something, try to get to Jesus first. That's good. Get to Him first in prayer. Get to Him first spending time with Him. But get to Him first in the Word. Because so often the answer comes before you can even get to your leaders. Unbelievable how many times I felt like, as Andrew, I've got to speak to you about something. I've got this thing on my heart. And then as I'm in the Word, obviously God will speak to me from the Word, will come to an elders' meeting, and in that elders' meeting, Andrew will speak from a portion of Scripture. I'm like, oh, Thank I you. read that yesterday. Yeah, God, there's my answer. He's speaking to me. Yeah. Unbelievable. It's because the breath of God lives in the Word of God. Yeah. Okay, He speaks to our spirit. Just felt to leave that with you as a final thing. So, if I can pray through for just a minute, just, just, just in terms of reading our hearts for, oh, just to receive the Word of God in your ongoing journey.